Now you might be wondering, wait, what is this? Well, to be honest, I'm not really sure. This just showed up on my doorstep this morning and I don't really remember ordering anything from this address or anything like this at all, really. I'm Amy Burlap Sackful of Something Shepherd, and this is Mitchell Manley, Human Person. <laughs> human Person. Indeed. Well, it's better than like, I mean, I guess there can be lizard people. Right. So, you know, I'm just, it's it's the bare minimum before, you know, you can't really pigeonhole me into any other singular descriptions, but I am a human person. Not that a is one thing. person? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I could be a, I could be a, a demonic person or a, angelic person but i'm somewhere in the middle yeah i don't know if you're a top 40s person yeah i'm I'm not that although sometimes yeah sometimes sometimes you are so mostly just just a human person that's the that's the best starting point i think a best foundational attribute i'm starting to think like i was like human person you're going categories i'm like how is this work into the theme and i was like oh wait we're making we're we're doing music right yeah Yeah, sure so are the categories music and it's music you want to listen to. It's grab right. bag. <laughs> yeah, we just like it's it's a busy week for for both of us. So we're like, let's just let people submit whatever they want, really. Mm-hmm, and I'm so. into that. I like doing that every once in a while, so that you know whatever is in people's heads, they can kind of get it out and share it. Yep. And what did you want to get out and share this week? Uh, there's a band called Hookworms. This is their song "Form and Function." Hookworms is a contemporary psychedelic rock band. I think this record came out in 2013, and they've put out a few more since then. Uh, it reminds me of like a more joyful-sounding Dead Meadow, who's another big name in like modern psych rock that everybody knows. Uh, this song's just such a joyful, trippy ride. I especially love the call-and-response background vocals that just make this sound like a party or a celebration of some sort. Uh, they always have lots of reverb and swishy-swashy phasers that make you feel like you're tripping on acid while you're listening. And then having the organ in the band definitely sets them apart from other like modern rock bands and kind of harkens back to the classic psych rock of Deep Purple and Iron Butterfly. So I'd imagine something like this might be of interest to co-host Emeritus Jason V uh, in particular. <laughs> he would probably like this. Well, you said Iron Butterfly, so... Right, yeah, definitely the, with the organs and just the kind of trippiness to it. On acid? Yeah, sure. Why so not? This is this is what it sounds like to be on acid. I mean, kinda, yeah. Okay. <laughs> not that I've ever wait. Well, never. Well, okay. It so <laughs> on, for being the noob person, <laughs> um, I thought of this as like if Rush and the song the 
the gift by the Velvet Underground had a baby, uh, this would be at Sonic Cries. Fair enough. And that is, uh, that's where I tried to be a writer, right there. Um, it is noodly, but not in that I want to impress you with how fast I can play vibe. It is very much something to throw on the record player and just enjoy as it evolves. While I'm not a massive psychedelic music fan, this isn't something I want to throw in the closet like my childhood Furby to be abandoned for years. The wall of sound that ends with, like, it just fades. Like, big wall, and then it, like, fades, and mm-hmm. I just found it enjoyable. And I didn't want to smother it to death like a Furby. Oh, Yeah. Have you seen uh, the guy that made a Furby organ? No, but that sounds like oh, a Oh, man. It's, it is indeed a nightmare. He hooks up a... a Do their eyes open? It's like, yes. They, uh-huh. they open and they make their little Furby sound, and uh-huh. this guy's hooked them all up. He's got a chorus of Furbies attached to this piano. Or this keyboard, and he controls them, and all the all the sounds are just Furby cries. It's very haunting. <laughs> that literally just makes me so anxious. It makes my teeth hurt. I don't know. <laughs> YouTube Furby Furby organ. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. Okay, so to bring us out of that nightmare, yes, please. I brought Taylor Swift's "You Need to Calm Down." You are somebody that we don't know, but you're coming at my friends like a missile. Are you mad? When you could be glad, you could be glad. Sunshine on the street at the parade. But you would rather be in the dark age, just making that sign. Must have taken all night. You just need to take several seats and then try to restore the peace and control your urges to scream about all the people you hate. Cause shade never made anybody less gay. So, oh, oh. Episode 62 was named All the Taquitos Taylor Swift Wants, and that's literally the only mention of Taylor Swift on this show. Wow. I'm, yeah. I'm very surprised that no one's brought in Taylor Swift so far. I'm surprised I haven't brought any Taylor Swift. Jeremiah Matthews and I had talked about how she didn't vocalize any political opinion, that, and that had led her to be a figurehood, a figurehead of some like pretty gnarly themes and groups and stuff. Right. Like, and uh, dang, she has some... Um, went ahead and decided to be a responsible person and, and express an opinion. Uh, we can definitely discuss the larger meaning of a cis straight white woman singing this song, but that literally is half the problem with the quibbles within the liberal side of politics. Sure. So let's just leave that alone. Uh, sometimes we should just all just effing really like that white nationalist homophobes are pretty annoyed at this and nothing is sweeter than any annoying those people and dancing around and saying shade never made anybody less gay. Right. Pretty much all of Twitter does need to calm down so I can get behind the message and the beat. This song represents a pop star realizing she had been childish with her own petty feuds and also been irresponsible about not expressing her own personal opinions. And also, yeah, I'm glad she came out swinging against Blackburn. Also, this song does that like panning across the headphones yeah, for that sure. we were talking about, I think, for a couple of episodes. And also, it's just a joy. Doesn't it make you want to sing, dance? It definitely and, does. And fart some rainbows. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It definitely sounds like riding a <laughs> unicorn, like a unicorn farting rainbows. And bubbles. And flying over another rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, up to this point, I'd have said that all the best Taylor Swift songs are co-written by Max Martin. 
But this one was actually co-written with a guy named Joel Little, who I knew nothing about until now. But when I looked into it, I saw that he's produced a bunch of songs with Lord, and that becomes very apparent with the Taylor Swift song once you know that bit of information. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, this song's very straightforward on its face, but like packed full of little clever tricks when you listen to it a bit more critically. Uh, the lyrics are really snarky in a very amusing way to me. And she does that like really neat descending note thing in the pre-chorus. It almost feels like she's lowering lowering herself down to the level of her critics or her haters or whatever. And then she like bursts into that chorus that literally stacks <laughs> harmonies one after the other in this glorious and triumphant way that just immediately grabbed me and swept me away. Once that insane chorus kicked in, there's no amount of Taylor Swift hate that would sway me from loving the song without shame uh, I don't want to speculate how much of that's her doing and how much of it is her producer's input but like as a final product the song's just undeniable and if you try to deny it you just don't love good music simple as that like, I know this song is so good it's scientifically engineered to make yeah you exactly love it. So exactly so yeah so good. like if you don't like this you're just like actively trying to trying to fight back against how this is scientifically designed to make you like it I know and I'm a sucker for Taylor Swift songs but like this one is like I don't hate them it's so so joyful it's so yeah this one's so fantastic good. i really really like it and i think it has many more harmonies than she normally has yeah maybe this whole album will be i don't know i haven't listened to the album if we it's gonna find yet. out i don't know ear buddy selections this week we had a ton and i think everybody was probably just um waiting for us to have another grab bag yeah yeah our first ear buddy of this week is mike who brings the pogues love you till the end I just want to tell you nothing you don't want to hear All I want is for you to say Oh, why don't you just take me where I've never been before I know you want to hear me catch my breath I love you till the end sweet and romantic the male vocals are pretty gruff and then they slide in like with this much smoother female vocals that like just work so well and there's a nice contrast and it's so perfect the swell and construction of the instrumentation is surprisingly simple but also not because dang they like, they did some layers yeah there's lots of layers in there mm -hmm. lots of them yeah the pogues are just so amazing it's been forever since i've listened to them I remember having like a brief flirtation with that early 2000s Celtic punk like Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly. But of course, it didn't take long for me to discover the Pogues and leave that other stuff in the dust. Uh, they're more like faster punk stuff is obviously iconic, but I didn't remember them doing ballads like this one at all. And I'm just blown away. It builds so slowly and perfectly. It has so much breath and air and the phrasing of the lyrics and cascading instrumentation that kind of builds into this heavy bliss that just fades into the sunset at the end. And holy crap, those harmonies are heavenly. Uh, I listened to this one like three times in a row. It just pulled my heartstrings straight off. Mike definitely uh, initiated an, an incoming Pogues kick, uh, <laughs> but mostly just this song on repeat into infinity. 
Yeah, he he also didn't give us a story, and I needed a story. Mike is is a man of few words for whatever reason, and I appreciate that about you, Mike. Yeah, well, Mike's few words were the Pogues love you till the end. Yeah, it's, that's fantastic. <laughs> it that's all you out. need. Yeah, totally worked out. Craig brought Deftones Knife Party. says the Deftones are a band that I'll not listen to for a while and then I'll binge on them hardcore for a week. I'm currently in the middle of that week. I randomly heard my own summer on the radio the other day and it's been basically Deftones ever since. However, you've already played my own summer, so how about Knife Party? I bought my first guitar in either 2000 or 2001 and immediately started learning Deftones jams. Fortunately, they aren't that complex and are fun as hell to play. This is one of the first songs I ever learned on guitar. Still not the Mighty Mighty Boston. Nope, it's nope, not. Nope, it's definitely not. Uh, I'm starting to think the early 2000s rock had a specific sound to it. Sure. I don't know if it's just the Deftones because we've featured them a couple of times, but they definitely have like a very specific sound that I feel like is early 2000s. It sounds pretty trippy and I'm like, what kind of anemia? I, I promise I was trying to figure out what supplementation they needed, <laughs> what medications, and that we can probably fix the anemia, but turns out this may somehow be a drug song, and I'm not sure what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you never really know what Chino's singing about, really. Right, and uh, I always like the cover of this album because it is pretty slick and modern looking with the white horse on the solid gray background, so I, I think it's It's, it's very nice. minimalist and, yeah. and very aesthetic. I actually don't think that the like design of it really looks or like looks like what the deftone sounds sure, like. Sure, that's fair. So, yeah. So I probably would have picked up the album and played it without knowing what it was. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've talked about the Deftones a time or two on the podcast. I know they're one of Craig's favorite bands and they're definitely a big deal for me as well. Uh, most of my friends know me as someone that that likes pretty much everything, but there are a handful of bands that I somehow like used to hate or just didn't understand in high school that eventually clicked and then they became one of my favorite bands. Like Radiohead and Modest Mouse are two examples, and Deftones somehow f- also fell into that category for me. You know, while all my friends were kind of getting into them in 2000 with their album White Pony. Uh, which had this song, I wasn't really into it. I thought Chino's vocals were like too dramatic and over the top, and it just didn't click for me. Uh, but then they released a self-titled album in 2003, and the lead single called Minerva was just so beautiful and epic and melodic, and it just like finally dawned on me what they were doing and the sorts of influences that they're drawing from. They're a super heavy band, but they don't really approach it from the standard lineage of like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. They're pulling from bands like The Cure and The Smiths and Joy Division and combining that sadness and bitterness at the core of those bands and like amping it up uh, through this crushing atmosphere of heavy music. 
you know, they get pigeonholed with new metal because of like who they toured with and the time period where they were getting big. They certainly do have that 2000s kind of sound to them, mm-hmm. but they're pretty unique among their peers. There's plenty of bands that have tried to copy their style, but before Deftones came along, no one sounded anything like the Deftones. And uh, once I found that one jam that clicked with me, I just fell in love with everything they had ever done. Really? And Chino, is that the lead singer? That's the lead singer, yeah. And he doesn't look like a pair of shorts? No, he doesn't. Okay. Look, he doesn't look like khaki shorts. Okay, um, uh, is that his real name? Chino, I believe so. Yeah. Oh, Chino Marino. That does not sound like a real name. Yeah, it may. The Chino part may be a nickname, but okay. <laughs> uh, our next ear buddy is John Scott, and he brought MacTaverscan's Antibus. breakup song but musically it's a jubilant one lyrically the pain is fresh and evident musically the catharsis is a joyous dance all frenetic guitars and bubbling bass besides who hasn't wanted to yell fuck you at someone who's broken their heart i'm gonna say yeah this is a darn jubilant sounding song like how the lyrics evelina you broke my heart hung me up and stabbed me down and i don't know what to say so fuck you fuck you can sound so dancey and lovely i don't know i was trying to make it as sweet as sounding as possible and the guitar is just kind of frantic major chord loveliness i think it's a major chord Mm -hmm. because it gives me good feels Mm -hmm. uh it's a it just, it's, yeah, yeah, yes. Evelina, whatever you did, I hope that we can all just get along and keep this band making fun poppy tunes. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll start by saying this band is on Run For Cover Records, which has become a flagship label for me personally. Uh, their release catalog is really genre diverse, and pretty much everything released through Run Run For Cover is just incredible and unique. Uh, this Mactaverskan record is one of my favorites. They're like a post-punk band out of Sweden, and I don't know what they put in the water over there in Sweden, but between ABBA and Max Martin and like all that insanely catchy Swedish electro dance pop, the Swedes really know how to get your booty shaking, and that's super evident in this song. Just chock full of noisy punk energy, but it's presented through this hazy, jangly dream pop that you just can't help but want to dance along to. Uh, the vocals are very cathartic indeed, and all the reverb and the echo, just like her voice still commands a lot of space even while being obscured by the shimmery haze of guitars and drums lots of shoegaze and dream pop it dream pop influences but with this heavy in- emphasis on the poppy vocal melodies so naturally way down my alley for sure yeah i think they drink rainbows yeah there you go <laughs> i think they really do drink rainbows over there justin w brings john frusciante's the mirror Yeah. 
song to fit a rainy, depressive mood. Uh, this um, this is not the Red Hot Chili Pepper sound at all. Nope. Congratulations to me. I did research. Oh, na- oh snap. I know. Like, natural sounds plus classical piano, and then let's just build on that with some, like, guitars and some um, echoey thing. Sure. This, this is totally a perfect rainy day song that I can get on board with. Was this one of the guys that put a sock on their junk? Because it doesn't sound like he is the sock over the junk style of person. Very reflective and somber, but not entirely a quiet song. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point he did wear the sock. But I think the, the sock wearing Chili Peppers was a thing before he joined the band. They had another guitar player before him for a little while. It seems like he's like come in and out. Yeah, he, he left the band in 2009, I think. And then they've gotten somebody else. And before him was a guy named Hillel Slovak, who sadly died of a heroin overdose because that's what happens in, in the... Red Hot Chili yeah, Peppers. Yeah, in the early 90s and mid-90s. A lot of people dying of, of needless drug overdoses. They're still doing that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Unfortunate. Yeah, it's such a, a vulnerable and delicate song to be from a, a previous member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And if you know much about John Frusciante and his struggles with substance abuse and mental illness, probably shouldn't come as too big of a surprise. Uh, this song comes from an, from an album called The Will to Death, which I think is like making reference uh, to the philosophies of Hegel and Schopenhauer and Nietzsche, who all wrote about the world as being manifestations of some greater collective will. And we all have a will to live and a will to power and a will to death. And in, in the song called The Mirror, uh, Frashanti's like quite literally reflecting upon himself and highlighting a lot of the negative self-talk uh, that I also struggle with, like being consider- inconsiderate to yourself and just feeling out of tune with your own life and the depersonalization, like depersonalizing feeling that, you know, seeing that face in the mirror, just it's not you, you know. It's, it's this dark rumination to be sure, but it's also a very real and very honest expression of that dark corner of the mind that likes to self-criticize and catastrophize. It's a really difficult mindset to manage, but I'm thankful for songs like this, you know, knowing that other people feel this way too and that I'm not crazy, I'm not an aberration, I'm just a normal human struggling to reconcile the good things in my life with the negative feelings that are sometimes kind of difficult to brush away, but these songs make it a little easier to put all that into perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. And Harmonies by Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a good thing in life. Yeah. So, this is why you're a really good writer. Aww. <laughs> yep. Blake brings Adam again's River on Fire. I open window, dream in the dark. My fingers a spark, a train. He says, I grew up Christian and spent too much of my adulthood as a Christian. After seeing the light and leaving it behind, I've since been evaluating music choices that were specifically made in deference to my Christianity. In other words, I have skipped over great bands in the 90s like Radiohead, Rage Against the Machine, and Soundgarden 
Atticus as being a good boy, instead listening to Audio Adrenaline, The Prayer Chain, and Adam again. So, for more than a few years now, I've been evaluating that portion of my musical life to see what I want to keep and what I want to discard. One of the few artists I've emphatically kept is Adam again. I'm always interested in hearing the opinion of others concerning the band, so here's one of their best songs. This one is super downbeat, and I would have no idea that this was a Christian band. Uh, I kind of was thinking, like, Adam again, hmm, wonder if this is something about, like, a reborn version of Adam. And I guess that makes sense if it's a Christian band. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a fabulously bitter song about a dumpster fire, Cuyahoga River fire of a relationship that once was good. I can almost imagine the emotional roller, case, roller coaster that got the narrator to where they are. The sitting in an empty room in the shared home really realizing that leaving would really just make you much happier. There is just a lot to dissect here and also kind of dark for a Christian band. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is another kind of depressive sounding one, which may be surprising for a Christian band. But I actually appreciate a song like this because Christian music's usually very energetic and, and lots of faux positivity. And it wants to tell you everything's going to be hunky-dory if you just follow Jesus. But a song like this captures that feeling of being lost and feeling forsaken by the things that, you know, that, that you've put your faith in. Uh, in reality, I think this song was about the singer's failing marriage, uh, but there's so many other ways to interpret it as well. Uh, to take it back to philosophy, it sort of evokes the Christian existentialist philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. He criticized a lot of the overjoyful themes of the church that you know the church of his day fixated on. He wrote a lot about dread and despair, and he coined the phrase leap of faith kind of to reconcile living in a world that seems so indifferent and sometimes outright antagonistic to the human spirit. Uh, and in contrast to the theologians who say, you know, look around you, evidence of God is everywhere, Kierkegaard pointed out quite the opposite. And he noted that, you know, the world's actually very cruel and awful, and it has to be, you know, it's so cruel and awful that God must exist. Otherwise, the lack of meaning is just too much to handle. And in that way, we have to make this blind leap of faith and giving all we have in hopes that, like, this might someday make some cosmic sense. It's a pretty beautiful perspective that Christian music doesn't seem to highlight very often, mm -hmm. but it's a really neat kind of darker perspective on, on Christianity that I find really empowering, you know? Did you read Fear and Tripling? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, See? I mean, you know, I'm a philosophy major, so like, right. I, obviously I got this nerd shit in my brain. So fear and trembling is like actually how I decided I was not a Christian. Really? It's very interesting. Because that's not the point of the book. Right, of course. And I was like, I always was reflecting because it goes through these different concepts of like what faith is. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? I just don't think I have faith. Right. So, and I was like, oh, this is a very freeing like moment for but me. that's why you have to make the leap of faith you know, know you just gotta be like, like this doesn't make to... sense but yeah I, I can't follow him over that over that hole either yeah so i it's didn't fine. i was like i was like you know what i don't have to make this but he has a lot of important things yeah. to say that's He's, why it's very interesting to read and then you have to reconcile some of the words i think are totally made up like tele teleologically teleological yeah, yes that's, that's a that's a philosophical jargon word but but i think he totally made that one up mm -mm. no I, nope. Yeah, he goes did. back to Aristotle for sure. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Lumbering's fucked up police.
Um, he says, before winning Canada's coveted Polaris Award and pushing the boundaries of what guitar music can be, fucked up, wrote amazing punk songs. None more so than this ditty about every punk's favorite boys in blue. For my money, there are a few punk songs anywhere near this good. Truly a classic. First of all, I don't think that they are liking the police in their town. Yeah, I think they tried to make that pretty clear. Yeah, it's just something something makes me think that they don't like him. Uh, secondly, being super sly and saying they don't like the band, the police, yeah. is hilarious. It's one of my favorite parts. It's awesome. It's short, sweet, to the point. Also, wild, like widely applicable. Because, well, y'all know the police can kind of be like a problem. Yeah. So it doesn't even depend on which city you're in. Yeah. I know we featured at least one fucked up song, like on the Songs of Summer last year, but I'll just reiterate my love for them as one of my all-time favorite bands. They're an insanely ambitious band, and since the days when this song came out, they've kind of expanded their style into this crazy prog punk that just refuses to be categorized as any one thing. Uh, as exemplified here, most of their older stuff is pretty straightforward punk and hardcore, but even then, their songs are always well-constructed and well-crafted. They take a lot of the standard punk progressions and just kick them up a notch and just breathe new life into a genre that had become very monolithic and very homogenous. And they use a lot of more melodic guitar parts as well, which kind of sets them apart in a sea of jumbled punk bands. Uh, it's obviously tough to tell for the uninitiated, but the lyrics of this one have a lot of really fun and clever lines. The whole thing is about hating the police and how they serve their own interests and, you know, you know, not as much for the citizens, unfortunately. But, yeah, like you said, they, they, they reference the band of the police, and uh, that's pretty hilarious, and they make a joke about cop mustaches, which is also pretty awesome. I don't know. They're just such a fun and incredible band. Just one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Can't wait to, wait to bring them to the show myself one day and kind of show the listeners some of the diversity of their sound and why I love them so much. It's not just because you like saying fucked up. Right. I mean, that's that's certainly great. And, you know, <laughs> I like sneaking in bad words on, on, on the show sometimes. I don't even think we're sneaking them in anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a pretty pretty filthy mouth, unfortunately. I curse like a sailor, but it's it's how I talk, you know. I generally do curse like a sailor. But most people don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, you have a child, house. so you usually keep it fairly clean. Mostly. She I'm does... just a hellion. I'm just a derelict. <laughs> My child's listening to political podcasts, so she's also... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's going to be cursing pretty soon. Yeah, though. she totally is. So we've gotten a ton of new listeners, like, I guess over the past, like, couple of yeah, months. Yeah, super grateful for that. Yeah, so um, I'm not generally one of those, like, podcasters like, can you guys rate and review the show? But can you, like rate and review the show yeah yeah we try not to like blow that up every every single episode but it certainly helps us out yeah and, and i don't and i don't encourages even... us to to keep doing what we're doing and gets more people listening and i feel like we've got some momentum right now yeah yeah and we i mean the show has been it's coming up on three years old yeah it's crazy i know i can't even so yeah you it. guys you guys should tell a friend who will tell a friend hopefully or just like write on the walls of the pnh go listen to E-N-D-Pod. yeah there you go <laughs> yeah dot com. yeah um you can tweet at us i'm at pow i gotcha and i'm at madam woolite and the show is at and pod facebook group where you know you can go and contribute all your songs you can do that on twitter too i suppose too yeah you can do that earbuds and earworms podcast group voicemail line is 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837 you can email the show endpod at gmail.com and you can always check out our online presence 
andypod.com, part of the 10710 Network. What's our final song? I'm going to leave us with a band called the ILYs and their song, Wash My Hands, Shorty. I believe it was uh, ear buddy David Howell that turned me on to this band. The IOIs is actually the side project of a band called Death Grips. Uh, it's got Andy Morin and the drummer Zach Hill, who's also known for his band Hella, who's probably like the most iconic math rock band of all time. Uh, this project, though, is way different than both Hella and Death Grips. IOI is much more accessible and dancey. This song in particular seems like it just as, it could be just as easily a Beck song, for instance. It's very catchy and driving, but with the perfect amount of weirdness and noise to kind of give it some character. Just pure fun, poppy weirdness. So, hope y'all enjoy Wash My Hands, Shorty, from the ILYs.